is. You guys look good. Um, my name is Alvin. I serve as lead pastor here at the church. If it's your first time, uh, glad you're with us. We had a great first service. We got to dedicate uh, five children to the Lord. We have five families up here as we prayed for their newborns. And uh, it's always a sweet experience to anoint their little heads with oil. And I got to do that this morning. So uh, I want to thank everybody who was a part of that and all the families and guests and grandparents that came for the first service. Um, so that's the reason why today is special. Uh, another reason is, as you heard, we've got water baptisms right after this service. Uh, we've got, I think, seven people maybe getting baptized, but we leave it open. So if you are inspired in this moment to make this step of faith, we've got shirts for you. We've got towels. We've got um, all kinds of things that you can need for a spontaneous decision to get baptized. I never think it's a wrong time to get baptized. I think when it comes to us obeying the Lord in this call, if you have said yes to Jesus, then his, his command to you is for you to be baptized. And I think you should do it. I really do. It's going to be fun. We want to celebrate you. So we've got that going on. It'll be downstairs after this service is over. Um, it's also a special day because um, we serve a God of, of miracles. God is a God of miracles. And I heard in between first and second service that a good friend of ours who has been suffering and battling through some severe uh, cancer, very aggressive, and it was progressing to the point where I think our kidneys shut down and it just was looking very bleak, but they happened to know God and they happened to have strong faith. And we just found out that the cancer is not seen at all. At all. At all. At all. That's what I'm talking about. God is the God of miracles. He's still healing. He is still moving. He is still working. And I am beyond grateful. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. Amen. I love that response because that is what he is worthy of. God is worthy to be praised because he's still doing things like that. And, and just so you know, the, 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 the purpose of me saying that there's power in the testimonies of what God is doing in people's lives. And I believe testimonies are meant to really disrupt the way that we're thinking. And it causes us to ask that healthy question, that one of the healthiest questions you can ask yourself. And I wonder what God can do through, for me. I wonder when you hear what he does in somebody else's life, it's meant to spark that curiosity of, hmm, I wonder what he can do in my life. So I tell you that story, not only to glorify God, but to inspire you and to spark that question for you to start asking yourself, what could faith do in my life? Um, because the Lord is good, and like I said, he is still just as powerful as he was when he raised from the dead, and uh, I'm just grateful. I'm grateful, I'm grateful. So I want to share that. And then lastly, of course... It is day 22 of our 21 days of prayer and fasting. Uh, we opened up the church Monday through Friday the past three weeks, 6 a.m. We got up. The sun wasn't even out yet. People were in here. Um, great groups, great crowds coming out, praying to God. 
um, asking God for 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 a change of heart. We saw great repentance. We saw great people uh, receiving vision for their lives and for their families, for their business. We interceded for others. We prayed for the lost. We prayed for families. We prayed for our children. We prayed for our teens. And I just know that God moved really powerfully through the prayers of the saints in this church. So I want to congratulate everybody who participated and who finished. Um, I also want to thank you for your faith. Thank you for your devotion to the kingdom of God. And I just, I loved it. I loved it. I, I, I am happy to eat certain foods that I wasn't eating before, but I did love the moment, um, the 21 days of fasting and prayer. We uh, gave up a lot of the comfort foods that we love. We did a Daniel's fast. Um, but, um, the fast has been broken. Uh, I am, I was a little nervous. I have a little low tolerance for coffee and I can get real jacked up real fast. And I had some iced coffee today and I'm like, Lord, so y'all we'll see how I preach after 21 days. Hopefully I don't go too fast. Um, we're done in 10 minutes. Um, some of y'all might like that though. So, so anyway, I, I'm glad y'all are here and I want to get into the word. Um, repeat these words after me if you can. Say, the word of God is the bread of life. May my heart conceive it and my life achieve it. In the name of Jesus, amen. In the name of Jesus. Great. Well, we are on the final week of our Pray First series. We did four weeks of a series called Pray First, and it's really about just upping the priority of prayer in our lives. Um, a lot of us know that prayer is a good thing, but I don't know if all of us can say that prayer is the most important thing, that it's the priority of our lives. It's the first thing that we do. Um, some of us don't know how to pray, which is why we did this series. Some people don't enjoy praying, which is why we did this series. Because I do believe that if you tap into what prayer really is and you uh, see it and experience the fullness of what prayer was meant to bring into your life, you would love it. You would love it and you'll never get bored if, you, if you're doing it the way that the Lord calls us to do it. So my prayer is that during this month, prayer has become more of a priority for your life. Week one, we talked about living a God-first life, putting God first, not just having him in your life, but having him at the top of your life um, and what that looks like practically. We talked about tabernacle prayer, which is a model of prayer in the Pray First book we gave. We gave a resource called Pray for First, and we still have them in the Next Steps booth if you want to take a copy home. And it just gives you models on prayer and to help give your prayer life some structure and some purpose. And then last week we prayed, uh, we talked about the prayer of Jabez and how that's another great model of how to pray to God and not only receive his blessings, but the influence that he has for your life and then his power in your life and his protection in your life. Uh, today we're going to talk about how to build a life on prayer. It's kind of a closer because though this is the end of our 21 days of prayer, it is far from the end of prayer, right? And fasting. So I want to talk to you from a, like a 22, day 22 and beyond perspective. Because this is day 22, and now we're going beyond this 21 days. And how are we going to continue in a lifestyle that is built on prayer? Uh, there's a scripture in Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6 that says that we should always keep on praying. We should keep on praying. We should pray continuously. It is a 
a command. It is something that is a necessity, I believe, for the body of Christ. Um, we must continue in prayer. The Bible says in Ephesians 6 to pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, it says, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. So this is a day 22 people message. For those of you who are ready to continue in this lifestyle of prayer, if you're a day 22 person and you want to keep on praying after this fast is over, uh, I'm going to give you some tips on how to build a life built on prayer. The first one is continue to make prayer a priority. Um, hopefully these 21 days, for those of you who were coming in the mornings, was a good momentum starter for something that you continue doing. And I'll say that because it's easier to do things kind of when everybody else is doing it. And that's one of the reasons why we do it corporately, because it gives you a time to do it with other people in a way that starts to kind of build that discipline and that rhythm. So my prayer is that even though we're not doing it corporately every day, you would start your mornings off with prayer. That's the first thing that I believe you should do because it sets the tone for the rest of your day and it really models the priority of, of the way your life should look. God needs to be first. So let's come out the gate. Let's wake up while we're still wiping our eyes and say, God, I thank you. God, Holy Spirit, I need you. Father, bless me today. Equip me today. Um, that is how we should start our days. Psalm chapter 5. Psalm chapter 5, verse 3 says, In the morning, Lord, you hear my voice. And in the morning, I lay my requests before you and wait patiently. Now, when it comes to morning prayer, I don't necessarily think it has to be a lot. I don't think you have to pray for a, a, a super long time. Um, I do believe the mornings are usually the most uninterrupted time in our day. If you do it early enough. Um, so I think you probably want to do a good amount of your prayer in the morning, but I don't believe that you have to pack all of your prayers for the day in the morning, because I believe you can leave some other things to pray for throughout the day. First Thessalonians 5:17 says, pray continually. So I think you should really lace your day with communication to God and hearing back from him um, and make sure it's a, it's a day long thing. So of course the morning is important, but but pray throughout the day. It doesn't have to all be in the morning. And that's just some practical thoughts. Um, I think we should pray all the time. I think we should pray before situations, whether they're good or bad, easy or difficult. I think the more we can practice keeping prayer involved in what we do, I think the more we'll see God's presence manifest in our lives. Uh, a question I think you should ask yourself regarding the priority of prayer is what would I have to rearrange to make prayer priority? What in your life would you need to rearrange? And I think you should ask yourself, I think that's just a practical thought because we can all say, oh yeah, I want to pray, but it's really not until we make the changes necessary in our schedules to make this a reality. I know people, um, including my wife, she has a claim, uh, post on her 
phone on her calendar where she it says acknowledge God. So it beeps and she's like, okay, this is time for me to acknowledge the Lord. That works for her so she doesn't forget. You might have a different thing that you need to do. Some of y'all might need to go to bed earlier so that you can wake up earlier. Just practical things to make prayer more of an intentional thing in your life. And I'll tell you, it doesn't matter what it is. There is the results of prayer in your life and in the life of your family, it is worth every change that you could possibly make to your schedule. There is no change that is too much uh, for prayer. So I think it's worth it. That extra hour or that extra 15 minutes that you set in the mornings or whatever change it is, it's worth it. I promise you. And you will live to tell that it is worth it. When you make a change and you actually incorporate prayer more in your life, I do believe you will live to tell that it was worth every rearranging that you did. Um, so that's the first thing. Continue to make it a priority and do whatever you got to do to make it priority in your life. Number two, I suggest for you to find a dedicated place to pray. Now, this will be different, too, based on your personality, based on your, uh, the season of life that you're in. But I do think it helps to have an intentional place that you designate when it comes to prayer. Jesus had a place. We see in Mark chapter 1, verse 35, it says, very early in the morning, while, I, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. So Jesus' place happened to be outside of his house. He actually left his house. His spot was outside. Your place might be outside. Your place might be in your room. I knew someone that had a chair in their downstairs living room. That was the chair they sat in. That was their spot when they prayed. For some of you, it might be while you're walking your dog. And, you know, some of y'all might need music. Some of you like it without music. Whatever the place and the setting is that will make your prayers the most effective I think you should dedicate that and make that your thing um, because it's all about setting the atmosphere that's, that makes your prayers the most effective. So the prayer that you should ask or that question I should say that you should ask is what place would be most conducive for a prayer to work for you? What place would be the most conducive for prayer to work from you, for you? And that's a question between you and the Lord. And it's practical. It's just... Pick what works best, because the point is we, we just want your prayers to be effective. We want you to do it, and uh, whatever place helps you do that, please pick it. Number three, have a plan for prayer. I think you should know what you're trying to accomplish every time you pray. I believe you should have an objective. Again, and I know this is a lot more intentional than what a lot of us do, but this is, this is, this is how we grow, to be more intentional be like, okay, today I want to accomplish this, or today I want to make sure I'm expressing this, or I would like to ask for this, or I would like to hear from God about this. And these things, a plan helps, keeping, it helps keep your prayers from being aimless. I think when you have aimless prayer times, that's when you can really feel like you're wasting time. I know I've been there where I'm just kind of laying there. I'm just looking at my phone or clock. I'm like, okay. Uh, and when, when your prayer is aimless, it doesn't motivate you to come back. It doesn't motivate you to do it again. Um, we, none of us like to waste time. None of us like to waste time. And when you do prayer in a way where it does seem like a waste of time or it seems boring, 
it's just not going to motivate you to do it every day. So having a plan will help add some structure and some purpose to your prayer. And I believe you'll get a lot more out of it. I believe it will become a lot more interesting to you. And I believe it'll have a better chance of becoming a part of your daily, daily practice. Uh, Luke chapter 11, verse 1 through 2. It says, once Jesus was in a certain place praying, as he finished, one of his disciples came to him and said, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John taught his disciples. Jesus said, this is how you should pray. And what he did was he introduced this awesome model that we call the Lord's Prayer. Um, I, I'm a big model prayer person. I think they help give me structure. Um, we covered a model a couple years, a couple weeks ago, the tabernacle prayer. And basically that took um, the way the tabernacle was ordered um, in the Old Testament and a model that makes each station that was in the Old Testament um, symbolizing a, something else to cover when you pray and the progression of prayer. So just to give you a recap, and it's on YouTube if you want to look at it. And it's also in the Pray First book that we're giving to everybody for free. But the tabernacle prayer says start off with thanksgiving. And then the next section was uh, to uh, acknowledge the cross, the blood of Jesus that, that makes you clean. And then it has a part of washing and repentance, asking God to forgive you of your sins. And then the next part was where you ask the Holy Spirit to come into your life and give you the help you need. And then the next part was referring to the word of God, asking him to give you your daily bread for that day so you can have the bread of life to be nourished in the day. And then the next part was uh, uh, worship where you uh, begin to worship God and talk about who he is and not about what he's done, but just simply who he is. And then the next part is when you're in the Holy of Holies and that's where you get to pray for other people and you pray for your friends and family and coworkers. And I love praying that way. I've been doing it. And it just helps me make sure that I have a structure and objective and I'm covering everything I need to cover within a prayer time. Um, so I'm a big model prayer person because it helps give me a plan of action when I pray. So the question you should ask yourself for this is what plan makes prayer easy, interesting, and effective? What we're trying to avoid is for prayer to just be a religious routine that we do to feel like we're good Christians. And that it's, this is not what prayer was called to do. Prayer was called to advance the kingdom and, and strengthen your connection with God. Um, and I think a plan will help you do that. Number four, pray with energy and power. Now, this is a big one for me because when you realize who you're praying to and that you're praying to a God who can do what I just shared of clearing someone's cancer after it's been, you know, as aggressive and advanced as it was. When you understand who it is you're speaking to, I believe your energy and your passion will match that. Once we get a glimpse of who it is that we're talking to and who, that's why it's so important to worship God so that you can know that you're not just talking to somebody. You're talking to the creator of the universe. You're, call, you're talking to the one that has the power to snap his fingers and see all kinds of amazing things happen in your life. And I believe when you get a glimpse of that and when you understand that, your, your energy and the confidence and the boldness and even the uh, faith and the zeal will increase I'm a big believer in, in praying with passion and with energy. We see this in the early church. 
In the early church, when they prayed, it didn't look like a lot of our prayer meetings. In the early church, when people prayed, we saw stuff like rushing mighty winds and, and tongues of fire and earthquakes from the prayers of the saints and prison openings, like doors opening simply through the prayers and the praise of Christians. So I think we should be inspired by this and make sure that we turn up the fire. Um, I know we have a wide spectrum of people in this room, a different range of personalities and, and cultures, and I think the biggest mistake that we can make is reduce what I'm talking about to culture or personality types or you know, race. I think, I think that's, that's, guys, we're talking about passion. You can be the most introverted, soft-spoken person, but have a fiery passion about God. You can also be loud and have no passion at all. So, so this, we're not talking about culture. We're not talking about personality. We're talking about power. We're talking about something that comes from God. We're talking about something that's not even of you. I think you have, you have to understand, God gives us his power to pray. It's his power. It's not our personality. It's his power. So when we pray with passion, I just don't want you guys to discount yourself. Because, oh, no, I'm just, I'm, oh, I'm just, no, no. You are a child of God. You are a vessel of the Holy Spirit. And that Holy Spirit carries a fire. And if you want to be effective in your prayers, I believe you should tap in to that fire that God has given you. Uh, James 5, verse 16 says, The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. That fervent word is connected to the Greek word uh, energeo. And, and energy is, is directly translated. The definition of it is it translates as red hot boiling over. That's how, that's how this translates in the Greek. Fervency is a red hot boiling over. And the Lord is saying that it's this kind of prayer that makes a lot of things happen. And if you want your prayers to be effective, I really, I really ask for you to ask God to lead you in how to pray with more fervency and more passion. A small practical tip is for everyone to make sure you practice praying out loud. I think you should practice praying out loud. That's just a little tip. Practice praying out loud. And notice I didn't say loud. You don't, it's not so much about volume, but I do believe audible prayers are supernaturally significant. And again, this is not about culture. This is not about personality. This is about God's word. The Bible says that life and death is in the power of the tongue. So when you speak, this is a trait that we've inherited from God the Father being made in his image. When we speak his word, there's supernatural power that's activated. So even if you're whispering it, make sure you pray your prayers aloud. I know there's a lot of people that subscribe to like the unspoken prayers and the silent prayers and I don't want to be disrespectful to that but you need to talk. <laughs> you need to get it from your head out of your mouth. I mean even the scripture says when we don't know how to pray at least the scripture says that you can moan at least moan with or, or let some sound come out of your mouth because when you let the audible prayers come out it gives God something to latch on to. So, so, yeah, for those of you who like, I just, you know, get it. Take the next step. Take it from your head and actually let it come out. Let it come out. That's just a tip.
The question you should ask yourself when it comes to praying with energy and power is what hurdle will I have to overcome to make prayer a powerful experience? Some of you guys might have to jump over some hurdles to begin to pray like this. Some of you guys might be a bit too shy, even with God. Some of you guys are very easily embarrassed when you hear your own voice talk. You just feel, I don't know, some of you guys might be dealing with fear, uh, insecurity, um, whatever hurdle it is, ask yourself, God, what is the hurdle that's keeping me from praying with energy and with power? What is it? What mindset do I need to get over before I'm able to pray with boldness and with faith like your word tells me to pray? Number five, relate to the persons of prayer. Relate to the persons of prayer. Now, God is one person, but there's three expressions. There's three roles within who God is. There's God the Father, there's God the Son, and there's God the Holy Spirit. And I believe that a proper prayer, you should be connecting to all three roles of who God is. And if you want a simple, I don't have it on the screen, but a simple way to remember it is we pray in the name of Jesus to God the Father with the help of the Holy Spirit. We pray in the name of Jesus to God the Father with the help of the Holy Spirit. And if you look at it that way, you'll realize that you're utilizing and embracing all of who God is. You're going to God the Father, but you're going to him in the name of his son, and you're asking the Holy Spirit to help you pray the right words and think the right thoughts while you pray. And I believe when we do it this way, we'll see the fullness of God come through our prayers. Uh, the first thing we should focus on is the cross. The cross is the first thing because it's the cross that actually gives us access to God the Father. When Jesus shed his blood, it gave you peace with God. It's through the blood of Jesus that you can go to God and not get struck down, honestly, because we have sin in our lives, right? And God is holy and he's pure and he's blameless and he can't mix with things that are not holy, which is why when we come to him, we have to come to him in the name of Jesus who shed his blood because that's what gives you the access and the right to talk to God. Trust me, without the blood of Jesus, you would have no right to talk to God. If it was not for the cross, none of us would have a ticket to his presence. It is the cross that gives you access to God, which is why we always, Father, in the name of Jesus, I come to you in his name. Because not only do you have access, but you become a son or a daughter of God through Jesus Christ. He makes you not only uh, worthy of being in God's presence, but he gives you a family status. That's how good Jesus is. He actually gives you family status with God. So where you don't, when you come to his presence, you're not coming to him as a slave. You're not coming to him as an outsider. You're, not com you're coming to him as a son and as a daughter. And that should give you so, so much confidence to go to the Lord. So we come to him, we focus on the cross, and we make it clear that we know that it's through the cross that we're able to stand here. It is through the blood of Jesus that we have access to you, God. The next thing we should focus on is submission to the Father. Because once you come into God's presence in the name of Jesus, you're now a son. You're now a daughter. So you get to come to him, but he's still a father figure. So though he's close 
and though he is accessible and though he is personal, he's still an authority figure, which is why we should always practice submitting to our Father, showing reverence, showing honor. A lot of times we make honor and intimacy mutually exclusive, and we get to the point where if I'm going to be familiar with you, then I don't need to respect you. No. And a good example of this is a godly family. If you look at a godly family, not any family, but a godly family, you will see that dynamic at play. You will see a closeness and an intimacy between the father and his children or the mother and her children, but you'll still see respect and honor. We should never let our familiarity with the father be at the expense of our reverence and respect for him too. And godly families reflect this dynamic. You will see this. And um, some of you guys didn't grow up like that. Some of you all don't have a lot of practice respecting your parents or honoring your parents. And the good news of the gospel is that he will restore you. He will forgive you and he will teach you, even though you didn't have a lot of practice. Because ideally, ideally, you would have had a lot of practice with your own natural mother and father, and that will translate and make you make a great transition to recognizing God the Father and having that relationship. But a lot of us have had complicated relationships with our parents. A lot of us have slipped into dishonor because of what they've done or because of what we feel like they should have done, and we've, we've disrespected them, and we've carried that dysfunction into our relationship with God. If you, if you have unresolved dad issues, like it actually gets into your relationship with God. So my point is, go to the Lord. Again, no condemnation, but, but if you've been in disrespect to your mother and your father and you've slipped into dishonor, get it right with the Lord because it's through that help that you're going to be able to honor him properly and, and respect him properly. So Make sure that you focus on submission to the Father, no matter how unnatural it feels. Ask the Lord, ask the Holy Spirit to help you, and he will give you that reverence for the Lord. And you will see him as someone worthy to be revered. You'll find yourself getting on your knees and, and, and bowing down to him. Because it is not until that you submit to the Father that you can really have a functional relationship with him. Your relationship with God is not functional until you submit to his authority in your life. So we focus on the cross. That's how we get in the door. We focus on submitting. That's how we have the right order and the right dynamic. And the last thing we should focus on when it comes to the person of prayer is we focus on communion with the Holy Spirit. Communion with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is your best friend. The Holy Spirit is your helper. The Holy Spirit is the one that helps you during your time of prayer. The Bible says that we don't always know what to pray. In fact, most of the time we don't know what to pray. So the Holy Spirit helps us. He gives us what to say. He gives us the compassion we need to pray for that person. He gives us the love that we need to pray for that person who's not loving us back. He gives us the passion and fire that we need to declare bold things in prayer and to pray audacious prayers that seem like they're impossible. The Holy Spirit gives us the things to remember. He brings up scripture to our minds so that we can pray accurately according to the word of God. I'm telling you, the Holy Spirit is the best help. He will help you pray effective, sincere, and powerful prayers.
So we focus on the cross, focus on submission to the Father, and then focus on communion with the Holy Spirit. These are the five things that we covered today that I think will help you build a life on prayer from day 22 and beyond. And just to recap, continue to make prayer a priority, find a dedicated place to pray, have a plan for prayer, pray powerful prayers, and relate to the persons of prayer, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Um, before we close, since we've focused so much on prayer these past four weeks, I want to share a prayer that I have for you. And this is for all of you. I don't even know some of you. And this is my prayer for you. It's the prayer that we see in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 16 through 18. It's Paul's prayer to the church of Ephesus. And I'm adopting the same prayer for Nashville life. Paul says, I ask, I keep asking, sorry, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you. The riches, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people. That was Paul's prayer to the church of Ephesus and that's my prayer for you. This prayer covers four things and they really are the vision of our church. The vision of our church is to follow Jesus and build leaders and we do that in four steps. We teach people to know God, to find freedom, to discover their purpose, and to make a difference. Very simple. Know God, find freedom, discover purpose, make a difference. And all four of these objectives was described in that prayer that I just read. The first one, Paul said, I pray that you may know God better. What he was saying is, I pray that you know God intimately. The key word is intimately. When you see know, the word K-N-O-W, it translates in the Greek as the knowing that a husband has to his wife and a wife has to her husband. There's an intimate knowing that God is calling us to. This is a step above just knowing about. You know, we're in Nashville. You know, we are in a very culturally Christian uh, society where you can really go under the radar for a long time just knowing about God. And I feel one of the biggest misconceptions in the church is that you can know about God and that's the same as knowing him intimately. And I feel the need to bring this in case there's people here that you've been living off of knowing about him but not knowing him in the way that he's calling you to know him, which is an intimate knowing. Jesus pretty bluntly lets us know uh, what the standard is uh, and how, how many people are not meeting the standard. And he says in Matthew chapter 7, Jesus 
says in verse 21, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. And then Jesus said, I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Now, I didn't mean to laugh because it really isn't funny. Like, people are going to show up being like, Lord, hey, it's me. You know, I'm, it's me. And because there wasn't an intimate knowing, he's going to say that he doesn't know you. Again, doesn't mean he hasn't heard of you, but he doesn't know you the way the word was defined as an intimate knowing. And we know the difference. We have those relationships in our lives. We have our acquaintances. We have people that we've met. We've had people that we went to high school with. And then we have a category of people that we know intimately. Um, so there's different scales. And God is just saying, it's the same with me. Hearing about me is not the same as knowing him intimately. Having an experience with him is not even the same as knowing him intimately. And only you can know. It's, this is between you and the Lord. Lord, is this a surface thing? Do I just know you on a cultural level? Do I just know you on a social level? Do I just know you on a theological level? Or do I really know you spirit to spirit? And if you're not sure about that answer, if the Holy Spirit makes it clear that you don't know him intimately, the Holy Spirit, remember I say he's the helper. He's the one that can actually make, you, make sure that you have a spirit to spirit intimate connection with God. He'll go past your logic. He'll go past your emotions. He'll go past your friends. He'll go past the way you were raised. He'll go past your denomination. And he will make sure that you have a spirit to spirit connection with him so that on that day when you're standing before Jesus, he goes, oh, we've been intimate. I know you intimately. That's our standard, guys. That's our standard. You and me both. We're all called to this. My prayer is that you would know him. Know him better, just like Paul says. If you've heard about him, let's go to the next step. Let's get closer to him. My second prayer is I pray that you experience real freedom over the issues that hold you back from God's best. All of us have issues. All of us have a past. But all of us are called to overcome these things. All of us. We're not necessarily, most of us, you know, have had, some of the issues are things that were done to you. And I've heard this said before, we're not responsible for what happened to us, but we are responsible to overcome. Some of the things you've gone through were not your fault. But God is still holding you responsible to overcome. Because he has a calling for your life. He has an assignment for your life. He has a purpose for your life. And as long as these past issues are still taking precedent over the future that he has for you, you it won't even be possible for you to obey him. Some of us have too many issues to where we can't even obey God because the issues are still so large. And God wants to help us get over these issues so that we can experience the fullness of God, so the vibrance of our lives that we're called to can, can, can happen, so that we can have the quality of life that Jesus died for. And don't be discouraged, guys. God has the power. And he's provided you the resources, even now. I, this is a bold statement, but I believe that God has provided each 
each of you all the resources that you need to find freedom. There's so many resources in the body of Christ. But some of us are overlooking the most important resource. And the resource is right to your left and it's right to your right. James 5.16, it says, therefore confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. If you want to know how to do it simply, we pray to God for forgiveness. He's the only one who forgives. But when we want healing, we got to talk to each other. As long as your sins and your issues are secrets between you and God, you are creating a ground where the enemy has so much more ease deceiving you, condemning you, discouraging you. There's a power and sharing your issues with brothers and sisters in Christ, people who are able to shine light into the situation. The way that we minister freedom at our, our church is through our life groups. And there's a reason why they're called groups, because other human beings are in there, and it's a chance to get honest with people. It's a chance to get vulnerable and transparent with people. Now, I don't think you have to tell everybody, but there should be People, actual human beings, not angels, not the Holy Spirit, not God. People, flesh and blood, human beings that are able to hear what you're going through and speak courage and faith into your life. The scripture, James, doesn't say confess to God to be healed of your sins. God forgives, but I believe it's the community where we find healing. I truly believe that, and that's why I said some of y'all, the, the solution is right in front of your face. There are many of us who are forgiven of our sins, but we're still not healed. Some of you all in the room might be forgiven. Yes, the Lord forgave you, but you still aren't healed. The wounds are still fresh. They're still open. You're still bleeding. And the Lord has designed the body of Christ to administer healing through your relationships with the other saints. And so often our fear and our pride has kept us, some of us are still struggling because we just, we can't trust or maybe someone hurt you and you don't want to trust again or maybe someone told your business and you're like, never again am I going to tell anybody. I'm sorry that happened to you, but do not let that experience rob you of the healing that God still has for your life. We have life groups, they start next week. We got a meet and greet after church. You can meet some of the leaders. And they're just brothers and sisters in Christ. They're not saying that they are, they, they know it all, but they love God and they love people. And we've seen that that is enough to be a support to other people. So we want you to find freedom. And I pray that you find it through a group. Number three, I pray that you can see God's perfect plan for your life. We spend a lot of time talking about what we've been saved from. But I don't think enough of us talk about what we've been saved for. I'm so happy to hear that you were blind and now you see. But what has he given you your sight now to, to do? What are you supposed to see now? I know that you couldn't walk and now you can walk, but why has he healed you? Like what are your legs called to do now? You know, we all have an assignment. We have a divine assignment. 
a divine assignment that God has given each of us. And my prayer is that you would discover what that is, if you haven't already. My prayer is you would discover why you've been put on this earth and that you would discover why Jesus saved you and why he said, it's you I want. Because you know every person who's saved is because he's handpicked you and said, I am choosing you. And I think so much of us still don't know why. There's that song, and I mean, he's my favorite, so I can say this. He literally is my favorite, but it's the Andre song. I don't know why he loved me. I don't know why he cared, but I'm so glad he did. And he is my favorite, so let me preface with that. But let's know why. Let's find out. God, why? What, what did you have in mind for my life? He will tell you, just like he told Paul. He will tell you, just like he told Peter. He will tell you. Lean in. If you don't know why, if that's the song for your heart, then, let's, then you've got some answers that you need. And my prayer is that God will reveal those answers to tell you why you've been saved. What is the plan? What is the purpose that he had in mind when he called you out of darkness? Romans 12, 6. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. The gifts of God on your life are in context to what he's called you to do. The Lord is gracious, so he doesn't give you an assignment without providing you the resources you need to execute that assignment. So the, the plan that he has for you, the gifts are in alignment with that plan. How do we find out what, those, what that plan is? I think we do two things. We pray. And then we get involved. Now, this is a plug for getting involved in the local church. And I say local church, obviously, if you go to Nashville Life, I'm talking about Nashville Life. But if you go somewhere else, I'm talking about there. It's, 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 it's offering yourself and your gifts and your talents that the Lord will start to uncover what it is that he's called you to do. And some of us, it's trial and error. You might find yourself serving over here and be like, oh, that actually... I don't feel the grace over there. Oh, man, here's where the grace is. And the grace is the stuff that you just do supernaturally. You do with ease. It's like it just comes. It just comes, and you can do it for weeks on end and not even get tired. That's, that's what you call the grace. There's a grace for you to do certain things, and the Lord reveals that by you taking a step of faith and getting involved. Last one. I pray that God will use all of us to make an eternal difference in the lives of others. John 15, 8 says, this is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. Bearing fruit means other people are benefiting from the salvation in your life. We are all called for other people to be benefited or to benefit from God's salvation in our lives. When God says bear fruit, you got to remember that trees don't eat their own fruit. The fruit that the tree bears is for other people to come and enjoy the fruit. The fruit that God wants to bear in your life is so that other people can be blessed eternally by the fruit in your life. 
the peace of God, that the fruit of the Spirit, that's so that other people can find peace when they're in your presence. The joy of the Lord, yes, you enjoy it, but that's meant to be shared with others who are down in the dumps. When you, when you bear fruit, it's not to satisfy your own ego. It's to bless someone else. And we're all called to make it a difference in people's lives. We're all called to make an eternal difference. And my prayer is that you get that. That's my prayer, that you know God, that you find freedom, that you discover your purpose, and that you make an eternal difference on people's lives. I believe that it's only then that we are really fulfilling what it means to be a Christian, what it means to be saved. There's a purpose for all your lives. My prayer is that you get it and that you see it. Um, I'm going to pray. And we're going to give everybody a chance to say yes to the Lord Jesus and start this amazing journey with him. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your spirit. I thank you for your presence. I thank you for the gift of prayer. Lord, I thank you, God, for encouraging us today to make it a priority. Lord, prayer is worth it. It's worth the time. It's worth the effort. It's worth the intention. It's worth the sacrifice. It's worth it. God, I pray that this church, including me, would come to know you better in an intimate way by the Spirit of God. I pray, Lord, that we would be set free from all of our issues that might still be holding us back from your best for our lives. Lord, I pray that we would discover why you saved us, that you would discover, that we would discover what you had in mind when you called us. Lord, I thank you, God, for the gifts of the Spirit that you have for us so that we can live purposeful lives and we can do things in your power and your grace instead of our own strength. God, lastly, I thank you, Lord, for the difference that we will make in the lives of others. I thank you, Lord, for making us a blessing like you promised to Abraham so long ago. Lord, that you would not only bless us, but you would make us blessings to others, God. I pray, Lord, that we would bear fruit in 2023. I pray, Lord, that people would be eternally changed because of our lives, God, because of our obedience to you, because of our submission to you and our commitment to prayer. God, I thank you that this will be a fruitful year for everybody in this room. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. I want to ask us all to stand. Now earlier I said you can't have access to this supernatural life that I've been preaching about without going through a very specific door by walking a very specific bridge. And that door is Jesus Christ. He is the Son of God. It is his blood that makes you righteous. It is his blood that forgives you of your sins. 
It is his blood that can change your destiny from darkness to light, to change your future from despair to hope. He can change your future from death and torment to life and joy unspeakable. If you want your future to be assured, if you want to have a hope and a future that is guaranteed, if you want to have a future filled with light and love and liberty, then Jesus is the answer for you. And I want to ask you all to make that choice today, to choose Jesus. Let his blood cleanse your life. Let his spirit make you born again. That way you can enjoy a life with God as a close son and a close daughter. If that's what you want today, I'm so happy. And if you believe in your heart and confess his lordship over your life, I believe something supernatural is going to happen. And you might not feel anything, but in the spirit world, you will go from death to life. You will go from darkness to light. Your name will be written in the book of life, and you can now know God intimately. So if that's you today, I would like for you as well as everybody else to say this prayer. And if you believe in your heart, something's going to happen, and it's going to be good really good better than you even think repeat this prayer after me say father in the name of jesus i confess that jesus christ is the son of god i believe that he died on the cross for my sins and was raised from the dead father forgive me of my sins Make me a new person in Christ. Lord Jesus, I choose you to be the Lord of my life. Fill me with the Holy Spirit so I can live for you every day. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Let's all say amen. Let's celebrate the mercy of God the grace of God, the power of God. He's here today. And because of your faith, he's alive in your heart. Please continue to follow the Lord. This church is meant to support us all in our journey with Jesus. If you said yes to the Lord, if you're ready to follow him and just take the first few steps, then we're here for you. We got a few ways you can get connected. We got a prayer team that's going to come up. You can pray once we dismiss. You can come up for prayer for anything, whether it's salvation related. Maybe you need healing in your body, like the friend that experienced healing today. We'll pray the prayer of healing. We'll, we'll believe that the blood of Jesus can heal you. No matter what you need, if you need prayer, we're here for you. We love you. You can also send a text to us. It's very convenient. You can text BELONG to 77411. And what that'll do, that'll just give you in contact to our lead team. And we'll just reach out to you, let you know that we're here for you. We'll call you. Um, we got some resources that we can share if you want some scriptures to support you in this journey. And uh, lastly, next week we have Next Steps. And Next Steps just is a great way for us to meet you. I lead step one so I can give you the vision of our church. You can ask questions about our vision and what we're doing. So I'd love for y'all to come to that. But in the meantime, 
We've got prayer for you. And uh, you can text us. So I'm going to pray at dismissal. Bless you all and thank you all for being here. Hope you have a great rest of your Sunday. And for those of you who've been fasting, bon appetit. Um, Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for your presence, God. I thank you for your goodness. I pray a blessing over every person who's here, over every family that is represented here. God, I pray, Lord, that you would not only bless us, but you would make us blessings to those outside these four walls. And I pray all of this in the name of Jesus. Amen. We have baptisms right after service downstairs. If you want to come and celebrate with us, we'll be downstairs. Love you.